The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Champions League quarterfinal second legs. Neapolitans can't be vanilla as they look to turn around Milan tie. Chelsea have a reality big problem whilst Bayern try not to get citizen caned again and the Nerazzurri looks set to make it into the semis. In the Europa, there's a severe reprimand for those who underestimated Sevilla. Elsewhere, PSG are nearly champions. Barca nil-nil their way closer to the title. And Dortmund gonna Dortmund. This is the Totally Football Show. It's a late night totally coming at you from across the land with Jimbo currently hovering somewhere over the Atlantic. He's in a plane for clarity. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by James Horncastle. Hello, Matt. This is very Hollyoaks after dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope it doesn't go quite where some of those storylines did. Uh, Julian <laughs> oh, Ross well, is yes. also with us. <laughs> How are you doing, Jules? Hi, Matt. Very good. And you? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Alvaro Romero's on board as well. Hola. Hola, Matt. This is like lunchtime in Spain, even though it's 9pm, so <laughs> it's all right. All right, you'll be at your peak then. And it wouldn't be a totally Europub without Raphael Honigstein. How are you doing, Raph? Hello, Matt. Loving the intro. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's get some moments of the weekend then. Um, Raph, you can go first. Well, Matt, my moment of the week. There's only one place to start, <laughs> and that was, of course, the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Stuttgart. 97th minute. Dortmund 3-2 up. They were 2-0 up. Pegged back to 2-2. One man up as well. But Reiner scores, but no. They find a way of not winning the game. Silas with the last minute equalizer to... Well... Not really do that much damage in the table because Bayern also drew against Hoffenheim. But somehow it felt like a very heavy defeat for the Dortmund team. And as you alluded in your intro, a sense of deja vu all over again. Dortmund is a great place to make a good living and play pretty football for those who aren't quite elite material or still developing their potential. But it breeds a mentality of getting comfortable in failure, not my words. The words of Raphael Honest. That is wonderful writing. It really is, isn't it? Leapt off the page <laughs> to me. That's why it's made it all the way into the Google Doc. Um, James, how about you? What what from the world of, of Serie A or elsewhere caught your eye this weekend? Galliani celebrating at San Siro. The former Milan chief executive now helming Monza, his hometown club, and watching them beat Inter with a goal from Luca Calderola, who came through the youth ranks at Inter as well. So magical moments particularly with uh, Berlusconi in hospital, receiving uh, treatment for leukemia at the moment, uh, who's out of intensive care, as we uh, record. But uh, fantastic moment. And Monza just keep getting these big results ever since Berlusconi promised the players a bus full of pleasure workers, shall we put it that way. They just keep upsetting Juventus, Inter, and they're doing a great job under Raffaele Palladino, the caretaker manager. And Calderola, he's a big football manager, boff. He loves playing it. And Monza, he's never got them above 38 points in City Out football manager, but they're practically mid-table in real life. So who plays video games? <laughs> um, Jules, I'm guessing yours is maybe going to have something to do with the Kylian Mbappe assist and a Lionel Messi goal? 
It's not actually. It's not because I, I went instead for the Angers fans who uh, traveled to Clermont, which is a five-hour drive from Angers to Clermont, uh, to see their team against Clermont Foot, uh, winning one nil to start with, and then considering a penalty. So it was not many of them, to be fair. And the the, pen, the Clermont penalty taker Mohamed Chan was going to take it in front of the um, the West End, if you want, where the few Angers fans were. So decided to. Um, to try to distract him and to do so, they, they put their pens down basically and, and show him their butts. Didn't, didn't make any difference because he scored. But what's maybe more funny is that six minutes later, Clermont got a second penalty. Uh, the first one was Greg on John, uh, uh, Greg John Gay, sorry. And the second one was Mohamed Chan. And in, in the two occasions, they showed their butts and didn't have any sort of impact because they both, the, the two penalties were scored. So good try, I guess, uh, from the Mooney Angers fans. <laughs> Cheeky, but it didn't quite come Cheeky. off. Cheeky. A bat, but a boot also. Oh, nice. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me not make an ass of myself by trying to guess you Ben Alvarez. Just tell me. <laughs> Obviously, it has to be the Basque derby. Uh, Athletic Club Bilbao won it with the brace from Jackie Williams. I think that uh, the second goal was absolutely lovely. Cambiando el juego, qué bien lo hace para Iñaki. Lo hace de zurda. Iñaki va a encarar a Robin Lenormand. Está en el interior del área. Amaga. Chuta. ¡Qué golazo! ¡Qué golazo! And the most important thing here is that I want to single out this derby, not because uh, this is my side winning, uh, even though uh, that could be one of the big reasons, but because this is a proper regional derby, because uh, let's say that maybe 20 or 25 players that were involved in that game were actually local players, and uh, that makes a big difference between some other derbies in which uh, some players that they don't have uh, an attachment to the city or the, to the locality or the region uh, because they, they weren't born there. At the end of the day, uh, that qualifies as a, as a derby, yes, but this is something else, something else. And the truth is that Athletic Club Bilbao needed the win just to um, tighten up the fight for the Europa League or, who knows, maybe the Champions League uh, spot. And uh, it was a very, very nice game of football between two sides that they've been rivals for over 100 years, but always uh, with a good camaraderie between them. Excellent. All right. So Bill Bow's still thinking about the Champions League for next season. We're going to talk about the current iteration of it and those quarterfinal second legs that comes next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Right, on Tuesday, Milan head to Naples, defending a one-goal lead from last week's first leg against Napoli. James is going. Um, as far as Napoli are concerned, is it, is it as much about who isn't playing for them as who is? Well, they've got Ozymen back, which... Is a big boost. He came on and played 20 minutes in the draw against Hellas Verona at the weekend and hit the bar with just a stunning effort on goal. It's a really shame that it didn't go in. But yeah, you mentioned the suspensions that they've got. Kim, Spalletti's called him the best defender in the world. And Gisa, who was probably the best player in the first leg until he got sent off or let Teo Hernandez get him sent off. So it's quite hard to predict. I mean... I don't want to take the plaudits for calling Milan winning the first leg or calling into beating Benfica. Um, I'm humble enough to just let that go. But ahead of this second leg, there's a little bit of trepidation, I feel, on Milan's part because at least Napoli know that they have to win. 
There's no kind of result for them to manage as there is with Milan, who might think, okay, do we go and try and win this? Do we just try and see this out? Napoli know exactly what they have to do. And to be honest, they were unlucky in that first leg. You know, even with Elif Elmas playing as a false nine, they created loads of chances in the first half and, and should have scored. So in that respect, I don't think this tie is over. And is that trepidation tempered at all by the fact that they won there 4-0 earlier this month? Or does that not really come into the thinking for this game? Well, one of the reasons I was confident about Milan's chances in this tie is that they match up really well against Napoli. And the last three years that they've gone to play at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona, they've always won. So it's a ground that holds no fear for them, really. But this is the biggest game that they've had to play there. It's incredible watching City at the moment and seeing how distracted teams are by the prospect of reaching a final of the Champions League. It is messing with all of their heads. So that, for example, we saw Milan make 10 changes and draw against Bologna at the weekend. We saw Inter lose to Monza. They've now lost three games in a row at San Siro without scoring. We're seeing Napoli stutter as well. Yeah, Napoli had 80% possession against Hellas Verona, couldn't score. Because all of them know that they have got, got a great shot at reaching the final in Istanbul. So this game is massive. And you know how you react to that pressure is going to be interesting. And I'm really curious to see what the atmosphere will be like there as well. Because it was a factor in Napoli's 4-0 defeat to Milan two weeks ago. Because the ultras clashed in the Curva B, not the ultras of Milan and Napoli, but the ultras of Napoli fighting amongst themselves over how to protest against the ownership, an ownership that's about to deliver a first league title in 33 years. And they were silent for much of the game. And it created a very strange atmosphere. And Spalletti said, if that happens again, I will pick up my stuff from the dugout and walk out of the stadium. And so De Laurentiis, the owner as well, has had his picture taken with the ultras to say, look, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. So we need to see that on Tuesday night in Fuorigrotta. Mm, right, they might be their own biggest opponents then. Jules, what do you think? Who's going through in this one? I, I still think Napoli will do it. I know Anguissa and Kim not being there is, is huge, but Ozyman makes really the whole difference. I think there's... if. We could have asked James maybe, let's say, a few weeks ago, who is who is Napoli's most important player, really? And you could have gone to Anguissa or Kim or Gvaraskelia, of course, or Ozyman. A bit, you could have picked a bit like you know you could do with other teams. I think Ozyman showed just that 20-minute cameo uh, at the weekend that with him and without him, really, they've won games without him, of course, including away at Milan in the league. But when he's there, it makes such a difference, I think. And and I believe that he can turn things around almost by just him coming back. So I would still... I, I applaud James for, for calling the Milan win in the first leg, although I thought that was a bit lucky. Uh, but, but, you know, I still think Napoli can turn it around. All right. Well, also on Tuesday, I'm going to be trundling off to Stamford Bridge for the latest installment. Why? Why you the... go, you're going you're gonna to pain yourself. Like, don't go. Just like, you know, <laughs> go with dinner with your wife, have a date night. Like, it's going to hurt yourself. You know what, Jules? I mentioned this on uh, Totally earlier today. This is the third season 
as we know, that Chelsea played Real Madrid. Uh, the first time it happened, I couldn't go because of the pandemic restrictions. Last season, I couldn't go because they couldn't pay me under the terms of the sanctions. So I'm just hoping that I get to Stamford oh, Bridge and enough, make it enough. in time for kickoff to see Real Madrid live for the first time. But I'm going to be watching through my fingers, which is not ideal <laughs> for a commentator. Um, because, Alvaro, I note that Real Madrid, in their win at Cadiz on Saturday, had 35 shots. Brighton had 26 at Stamford Bridge. Uh, on Saturday, so this might get a little bit messy for Chelsea. Yeah, and I watched Chelsea on Saturday, and uh, Brighton was so much better than them. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, there was such a sense of injustice when uh, the scoreline was still one old, uh, and then Enzo scored that goal, and it was like somehow a relief for the neutrals because it was beautiful to see them. And Chelsea looked like they didn't have a plan, and Real Madrid have a plan right now. Uh, I think that the uh, since they are not fighting for the league title anymore, they have decompressed somehow uh, and they are playing with uh, plenty of agility in La Liga this weekend. Uh, probably they played the, the best game of the season, really, against Cadiz uh, with plenty of rotations. Uh, Marco Asensio scoring a goal, Rodrigo being very lively but not able to score, which is probably a concern going, a concern going forward because Rodrigo last season had a very good uh, shooting accuracy. But I would say that uh, I was very, very, very surprised by Real Madrid against Chelsea because I wasn't expecting them to press up front with such an intensity, uh, having Lu uh, Luka Modric and Toni Kroos in the lineup. That was the thing. And I think that Chelsea read very well at the beginning of the game that uh, the danger could be in the Toni Kroos uh, holding midfielder spot and in Camavinga's channel. And for 10 minutes, they attack over there. But then something happened in that game. Um, the key man of the season for Real Madrid appeared. They gave the ball to Vinicius and Vinicius can't change the turn of the title completely himself. He got a yellow card from Fofana and from that moment onwards, Real Madrid became uh, far more superior to Chelsea. And uh, they deserve to win. I think that the 2-0 uh, victory for Real Madrid probably wasn't enough for Real Madrid, but they would take it anyway. They are happy with it. And uh, I don't see Chelsea just turning this tie around because they are struggling to score goals. Even the other day, uh, it was needed a deflection from uh, a defender of Brighton uh, for Conor Gallagher to score. But before that game, I think Chelsea had been scoreless for four games. And Real Madrid is working very well in every department, defence, midfield, attack, Karim Benzema is scoring many goals right now, so it's difficult to believe that Real Madrid is going to bottle it here. And um, Chelsea have kind of put all their chips in bringing back old flames to try and recreate a bit of something this season. Do you think we might see Tony Rudiger and or Edin Hazard get the chance to, to wave goodbye to Stamford Bridge? Rudiger came mm -hmm. off the bench late, didn't he, last week? Hazard, we know, not very popular with Ancelotti, but might he get a little run out just to, for tokenism, if nothing else? <laughs> I don't think so, really. Maybe maybe at the end of the game he can uh, come out and, uh, you know, just uh, salute to the stands uh, as an old bullfighter, you know. But uh, I really don't think that uh, we're going to see Eden Hazard in the game because he hasn't played for a very long time. And the last time he played at Santiago Bernabeu, he got booth as well. That was a couple of weeks ago and I didn't like that. But uh, it could be more likely to see Rudiger, that's for sure. But uh, let's see. Let's see how it goes in this game. I think Real Madrid won't uh, give room to Chelsea uh, for belief, you know. So if you start bringing in uh, players like Eden Hazard or, let's say, Mariano and all that, maybe Chelsea has a bigger chance. I think Carlo Ancelotti is going to take this game seri very seriously because uh, the rotations are coming in La Liga, not in the Champions League. There are 13 players who played for Chelsea and Real Madrid in the Champions League. Our friend, our friend Dev Ray sent me the, the quiz question at the weekend. So I, I've been, I, just, I was just putting that out there. You've got time to try to find them. I mean, you've mentioned two already in Hazard and, and Rudiger. 
Courtois. So just I just want to say that I've, I, yeah. you know, I got them. I got them with the help of one of my children, of two of my children. But yeah, I'm just saying, no pressure. But like you've got, you've got 45 minutes. So a sneaky hard one is also from Dave Ray. Dave Ray, we salute you. Oh, Great he's a, stats he's a guy. God. Yeah, he's a legend. He asked me for the three players who played for Inter and Benfica in the Champions League. And it's uh, trickier than you might expect. Wow. So Joao Mario is one? No. <laughs> He's not. So. Oh, that's right. a good one. Three. All right, we'll let that right, run. Find, Matt, Matt should find the 13. I mean, between the, the four of you, you should find the 13 who played for both Chelsea and Ramaji only in the Champions League. So Higuain, for example, played only in the Europa League for Chelsea. So he, he's not in the 13. All right. Matteo Kovacic, another one. I was just going to say Kovacic over it. Kovacic and Makaleli, I'm going to chuck out there. Makaleli, we'll, we'll, yeah. yes. We'll, we'll yeah. try and think of some more as, as we That's go four. on. All right. There's plenty more to get. Um, Raf, you can either chuck a couple Arjen more names Robin. in. Arjen Robin, yeah, good shit. Five. Right, okay. All right, we'll keep going. But uh, This Raph, is me warming up. Whilst we, um, whilst we think of the other eight or however many we've got to get, Raf, do you think that, that Frank Lampard is going to be humble enough to, to realise that he, he needs to keep with a, a three-man defence rather than go to a back four like he did against Brighton on Saturday? Do you think there's anything that he can do to, to have any kind of impact on this game or to at least prevent a humiliating defeat for, for Chelsea? I'm not sure it's a question of humility, whether you go with a three or, or a four. I'm sure he, he felt that against Brighton, that was the best thing to do. The five, it's it's more of a five than a three, worked reasonably well against uh, Real Madrid, but you felt that both teams were kind of happy with that 2-0. So now that you have to chase the game, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for, for Chelsea. I don't think they will necessarily embarrass themselves. I think Real Madrid, the way they play, they will just manage the situation and not really twist the knife too much. So I can see a, a, a nil-nil or a 1-1 one, one kind of result. I don't think it's going to be that, that much of a disaster. All right, before we move on from this game, Jules, A, is Jeremy one of the answers? And B... Right. Amazing. Okay, yeah, great. Jeremy, that's six. Ricardo Carvalho, <laughs> seven. Yeah, Ricky, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Um, Jules, when will the next game after Tuesdays in the Champions League be played at Stamford Bridge? Are we talking five years from now? Are we talking a couple of years from now? <laughs> Next season, of course, it could be. It could be, yeah, of course, if they turn it around and win it. Although I'm sorry, Matt, it's not going to happen this season. But it depends a lot on who they, who they go and get as a manager, I think. I mean, we know, but we knew even Lampard, even before Lampard came back, that he was not obviously the, the answer. Uh, but if they get this one right, there's there's huge potential in that squad. Of course, there's there's too many players, but they will hopefully let go the right ones and keep the right ones as well, and have and have a very competitive squad next season. And they will be better. It will at some point it will work. This is a squad that's got far too much talent that is unbalanced. But again, if you sell the right ones, keep the right ones, and and sign a couple of of what you need, I think I think they've they've got a good future. But it's just it was just a horrendous season that will finish in a horrendous way in eleventh in the table. Right, next up on the Totally Football Show European edition, we'll look ahead to Wednesday's Champions League action. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL, and around the world. 
So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners, and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Hello, this is Adam Hurry, the voice of Football Clichés, a unique podcast on the Athletic Network. A football podcast you might not think you need in your life, but honestly, you will need this in your life. We've just chalked up our 250th episode, which, at a rough calculation, makes about 12,000 minutes, or just over eight days of our lives, spent digging into the previously unexcavated language of football. We've argued about what cometh the hour means, we've heard Pierre-Emil Huybierg talk about food in the most footballery way imaginable. Like, no disrespect to egg. Yeah. But... I'm surprised how yeah. flavoury it is. We've selected the pure Europa League 11. We're still on speaking terms with several mainstream football commentators and we'd love you to have a listen to us. Football Clichés is available on The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Well, if it's mission impossible for Chelsea, it's probably mission improbable for Bayern, I would suggest. Raph, they're going to the second leg of their last eight tie with Man City, needing to recover a three-goal deficit. So they drew one all home to Hoffenheim on Saturday. Here's a, here's a tweet I want your opinion on from European football expert Kevin Hatchard. He said, Hard to escape the notion that changing coaches at such an important moment of the season was completely the wrong thing to do. Regardless of how good a coach Thomas Tuchel is, Bayern have lost momentum in a big way. Are you with Kevin on that? Not really. I'm not sure what kind of momentum they had before before they got rid of uh, Nagelsmann. Things were, were very bad at then. Of course, they had a decent results in the, in the Champions League, but um, speaking to people close to the dressing room, there's almost a sense that the real mistake in getting rid of Nagelsmann was getting rid of him too late. There's a feeling that it'll take a long, lot more time for things to sort themselves out. A lot of players out of form, low in confidence. 
this is nothing to do with Tuchel. I think he's trying his best and uh, the players have responded very well to him personally and they like his training, they like his man management. But you have so many players who are just not nearly at their best. And if you compare that to some games over the last couple of years where Bayern turn up collectively as they did against a admittedly perhaps very poor PSG side and maybe we overrated that win because we didn't realise just how poor PSG were at the time. And I'm not saying that to offend Jules, but no, there, there really is a sense that maybe maybe they were praised too much for what wasn't that impressive a win to begin with. But in that game, for example, you had more or less the whole team turning up and playing well. And you can count on one hand the occasions that this has happened. Uh, since winning the Champions League, really, or at the very latest, since Jürgen Nagelsmann um, was was put in charge after Hansi Flick left, so it's not all down to him. He's not the sole person who's at fault, but I'm not sure that Bayern would be in a better position if they'd stuck with Nagelsmann and we'd now see uh, Tuchel uh, talking to Spurs or Tuchel's talking to Real Madrid and Bayern thinking, ah. Oh, you know, are we going to miss out on Tuchel a second time? Uh, people are going to slaughter us if this season with Nagelsmann is going to implode and we let Tuchel go uh, once again. So I still think that on the balance, even with hindsight, it was still the right decision. Rafa, any chance that uh, Upamecano doesn't start because he, he didn't have a, a good game? He got a very bad game, in fact, against the Manchester City. And Bayern doesn't have many options on the bench right now. I don't know if Dale Blind could actually feature there or not. I think Daly Blind is the backup of the backup of the backup at this point, right. at this moment, uh, with Cancelo being available. Um, you can, of course, uh, play Benjamin Pavard next to Matthias De Ligt. I think Tuchel's instinct is to play Upamecano because he is the fastest defender at the center. And before his mistake, yes, you can say he had some dodgy moments along with everyone else, but he didn't have a bad game until until that moment. Uh, the, the problem was what happened afterwards, that he lost his head and nearly uh, played a big role in, in throwing the game away altogether. And Bayern were perhaps lucky to only lose 3-0 by the end of that game because they were close to collapsing. So I think Tuchel's instinct will, will to give him another chance. But it's one of those games where Upamecano really has to be much more focused and, and don't make the mistake. One thing we should quickly mention is that Tuchel did blame, of course, Upamecano because it was his mistake, but he also noted that at that moment in time, Benjamin Pavard was in the wrong position. He was basically in the cover shadow of um, of Jack Grealish. And if he moves differently, or if perhaps there is more confidence from Upamecano in Jan Sommer, who had also some dodgy moments, maybe Upamecano doesn't even think about taking that second touch. Maybe he just immediately goes back to Jan Sommer. But I think everything that went beyond in that game before maybe created a bit of doubt. Plus, he didn't have that many options going forward. So it wasn't just him individually that messed up in that situation. What about Sadio Mane? Is he back off the naughty step and back in contention for this? I think so. There's a school of thought in Munich that uh, says uh, this is the perfect time to play him. He's got a lot to prove, both after his altercation with Leroy Sané, but also in a wider sense uh, of not having had the impact that Bayern had hoped for. He came there... Uh, with a chance to win the Ballon d'Or. And he doesn't look a player who 
should be anywhere near this trophy at the moment. So with Serge Gnabry not really functioning well down the middle in recent weeks and uh, Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting probably not quite ready to start, it does provide maybe an opportunity for Sadio Mane to play through the middle as he had as he did at some stage in the second half of the season with Liverpool with, with some success last year. Yeah, I think we might see him. We might see him start, which will make things interesting. Well, the Bavarians hope so anyway. And would Bayern sell him in the summer, do you think? I'm getting the feeling that they would listen to offers. I don't think it's a clear-cut situation yet. They will want to take a very careful look on how he responds, how he will finish the season, how much is down to him coming still back from injury, how much is down to him not really getting used with the kind of competition that he has in Munich, where it's, he's not an automatic starter, where he really has to fight for his place. I think also Julian Nagelsmann was not able to really relate to him in a way that perhaps he's used to from Klopp, who was always quite demanding, but at the same time quite nurturing and and very careful to massage uh, his ego and his pride. And I think Tuchel is trying to do these things, but he's only been there for two weeks. So it's not a clear-cut decision. I don't think they have decided one way or the other what's, what's going to happen. But if somebody were now to come in, uh, I don't think it's a situation where Bayern will say, absolutely not, he, he will definitely have to stay with us next season. Well, maybe if you can turn this tie around on Wednesday, he'll be the main man eight and they'll keep him. Um, Jules, is Michael Essie in one of them? Yes. Well, are you eight now? Well done, okay. Matt. I mean, I ex- that's what I expect from you, to be fair. Horncastle <laughs> is completely lost. <laughs> to be fair, they're not really his teams. Uh, Honigstein doesn't care. It's you and Alvaro, really, for this. <laughs> so you still have, what, five more? Is that right? Yeah, eight, yeah, five more. Does Googling is okay, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> ChatGBT might have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Alvaro, have you got one? I haven't thought about that. There's some obvious paying ones. Attention, paying attention to Rafa's pretty good breakdown of Bayern's situation, but uh, I'll come back with more. No worries. All no right. Worries. Okay. I, I thought you were warming up. What have you done? Yeah, Warm down. Like, yeah, you've warmed <laughs> down already. You're stretching. No, no, I'm really interested in Bundesliga, guys. You know okay, me. just make sure you don't pull something. Um, right, the other right. tie in the Champions League, <laughs> 2-0. Oh. It's, a, it's a danger. No, it's not a dangerous. I can't bring myself to do it. Inter firmly in charge of their tie with Benfica ahead of the rematch in Milan. Um, James, you predicted that they're going to reach the final. This is where you, you come alive, isn't it, in terms of your predictions. Uh, let's have a little reminder of what you said last season ahead of Real Madrid against Man City. I can completely see an eventuality in which, you know, Vinicius on the on the counter-attack or something or on the dribble creates something or, you know, an, a nothing cross that's behind Karim Benzema uh, is all of a sudden somehow turned in, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, on paper, absolutely. City are the better side. But City have been the better side on paper than any other team in Europe for the last five, six years. So, mm. you know... So, I mean, can you follow that? I mean, do you do you even want to? It's, surely it's better to just go out on that one glorious prediction than you know tell just us that don't one's going to go in of, off of the Atalanta one either. Yeah, these guys <laughs> still owe me dinner. From that, Atalanta will get uh, out the I group stage. I think that debt has long been paid. Surely has it been paid twice or three times? Well, I keep dining out on it, so. 
even if you have to pay for it yourself. Uh, so, Benfica, <laughs> you were saying last week that they're starting to look tired. We mentioned already that, that Inter had a disappointing defeat at the weekend. Can you can you see them slipping up here? I mean, Benfica coming into this off the back of three straight defeats. It's Even though Inter had that poor result at the weekend, this is only going one way, isn't it? Well, Benfica, obviously, on their last visit to Italy, they beat Juventus at the Allianz Stadium, something that they hadn't done since the, the 60s. They were without a lot of players in that first game. I mean, you look at the back line, it was by far their kind of second choice uh, defence. Otamendi was suspended. I'd, I'd predict an improvement. I mean, they've got nothing left to lose. And I mentioned earlier, Inter have lost their last three games at San Siro and they haven't scored. Now, part of that, I think, is because they've been distracted by the Champions League and they, I think a big part of Inter's mentality particularly at this stage, is that this group of players is old. They've won the Scudetto, Coppa Italia, Supercoppa. And they've been to a Europa League final. I think they want to really kind of try and make some sort of a statement in the Champions League because eight of them are out of contract. Lukaku's going to go back to Chelsea at the end of the season. And so this is a kind of last dance, if you like, for this group and you know for that reason I would anticipate that they are saying to themselves do not let this slip now so let's see into a dramatic club Matt you know it's mm. quite a hysterical place at the best of times so you never know I seem to remember Stephen Gerrard saying something about not slipping once and that not turning out particularly well for him so hopefully it won't be um, similar to that we'll whip through some Europa and Conference League stuff as well Nicholas and Elka Jules Oh. Nice. Nine. Four more. Okay. Very good. There's, an- there's another like Frenchman. Okay. We're getting there. Um, Sevilla, Alvaro, do you want to crow a little bit? Because you said that they weren't that bad and they had a chance. And, and lo and behold, that chance came yeah. courtesy of Manchester United's defence. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, compliment you can give to Sevilla is that uh, when they were 2-0 down, they survived because it looked like it was going to be one of the worst nights of Sevilla in Europe. But they managed to stay in the game somehow and then they were very lucky. We have to say that because uh, Manchester United scored uh, two own goals. But there are a few patterns of Sevilla that are at least promising. Uh, Number one, um, they don't... uh, use uh, tiki-taka football all the time. If they have to play direct, they do it. And uh, we saw that a week ago when Nesiri scored the goal like this, I think it was against Cadiz. I think that Lucas Ocampos and Brian Hill coming in uh, in winter, they have added uh, a lot of speed to the team, especially on the wings. I said at the beginning of the season that Sevilla uh, was crafted by Monchi in summer uh, as if they were a team from the 90s. I don't know, they had too many number 10s, too many players to play in a 4-4-2 with a diamond in midfield, but actually they didn't have any pace, and at least they have corrected that in winter and it's working for them. The defense is alright, and then they haven't lost with Mendy Libar, and uh, obviously there is always a positive uh, vibe in the squad if you have played four games under the same manager and you won two of them, you got two draws, and uh, Sevilla has a love story with this competition and Sanchez Pijuan is going to be sold out. And this is definitely the most important game of the season for Sevilla because they 
are going to stay in La Liga one more year after they defeat Valencia. That was a very important win for them. And of course, I understand that Manchester United is better than them. In fact, Manchester United, Manchester United is storming uh, into the games incredibly lately. I think they produced something like 20 shots against Everton a week ago. Then against Sevilla in the first half, they were uh, relentless. Um, same thing against uh, Nottingham Forest at times. But uh, I think that Sevilla still has a chance, really. All right, thanks for mentioning Nottingham Forest. Um, Benick has tweeted to say, can you please discuss Union Saint-Gilois, who drew with Bayer Leverkusen in the Europa League quarterfinals? Say so that name French. again? Was that club again? So that club is it again? Union Saint-Gilois? Is that better? Yeah, I mean, the second time was better than the first time. Okay, all right. Well, they sound pretty French, Jules. So, so tell me something <laughs> about them that isn't Tony Bloom is the majority stakeholder. Are they, are they going to go through here against Leverkusen? I mean, you would hope so because Xabi Alonso rested, I mean, Rafa would know more than me, but rested a lot of big players for Leverkusen's game at the weekend against Wolfsburg that they drew nil-nil, no verts, for example. Uh, no Adli either. I guess to rest them for that second leg because the first leg was was pretty even. This is an amazing, really amazing story. Union Saint-Gilois, we mentioned it a little bit last season when they almost won the, the title in the end. They came short. Uh, it was their first time back in, in the top flight for 60 years or something. And now they're in Europe. They've got Boniface up front, who is this amazing Nigerian striker. And every Nigerian seems to be scoring loads of goals this season somehow. Uh, but he's one of them. He's got a great future ahead of him. And, and they're, they're physical. They're solid. They're well-drilled. They play well on the counter. Um, they've got this sort of like French number 10 captain, uh, Teddy Thomas, who plays for for Malta as a as an international player, who's had this this weird career in the played for Red Star Paris, but in those lower leagues in France, and then now found the, the fame and the success at Union Saint Gilloise, which is an, in itself an incredible story, and and yeah, they've been fantastic, and they 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 just just shock after shock after shock. I don't know if they I think Leverkusen seems too strong for them over the two legs, but you never know with them because they've they basically have shocked a lot of teams before. Jules, you mentioned a French number 10. Just brought to mind La Sana Diara playing ah, for Real Madrid. <laughs> Very good. That was the <laughs> toughest one to find. Now, I think that the next three, you should it find really them pretty easily. Yeah, I, I mean, think two that will even a, play tomorrow. That was a Google effort from James. <laughs> yeah, oh, well done. You come cheat. on, bro. James. Yeah, yeah. Come on, James. Yeah. Come on, James. <laughs> La Sana Diara. <laughs> it's an iconic number Came 10 shirt there. I'm surprised Jules hasn't yeah, found yeah. a Lasana Diada Real Madrid number 10 shirt to wear on the Gavin Jules show I know uh, you're right I've got his shirt from with France I wear, I wear that one if, if you have one for, from Faubert it also counts <laughs> yeah, Flaubert's. Yeah, I had the shirt that he wore when he fell asleep on the bench. You know that day, you remember? That yeah. was <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of this tie, uh, I'm not going to say the name again, but they're playing by Leverkusen, Ralph. From a Leverkusen perspective, do, do they think the Europa League is a more feasible route for them to get into next season's Champions League than finishing in the top four domestically? Well, actually, both has become possible because they've had such a good run. Uh, which was uh, now interrupted uh, when they could only draw nil-nil uh, against Wolfsburg. You could see that that uh, game on Sunday was just uh, so handbrakey. It was like, okay, let's just somehow get a result. And they, they were the better team. They created better chances. But I think emotionally, that uh, game at Union had taken quite a lot out of them and they were not. They didn't seem to be entirely right. Uh, in the right sort of headspace for 
for breaking down this Wolfsburg side. Yeah, it's not over yet. They can still do it through the Bundesliga because they are the informed team. And you probably wouldn't make them favorites if, even if they make it to the to the semi-final. You still have teams like, you know, like Leo Juventus uh, and uh, Man United and maybe Roma if they can come back. So uh, Leverkusen maybe with a good outsider's chance, but you can't really bank on, on them winning the, champ, the, sorry, the uh, Europa League. All right, Conference League quarterfinals also happening. Anderlecht 2-0 up going to Alkmaar. Fiorentina already 4-1 in front against Lech Poznan, ahead of the second leg there. 2-2 between Nice and Basel, ahead of their meeting in France, and 1-1 between West Ham and Ghent. Uh, James, do Fiorentina consider themselves favourites for that competition? I don't think they consider themselves favourites just because it's their first time being in Europe in five years and they haven't won a European trophy since the beginning of the 1960s, which is the Cup Winners' Cup. So it would be magnificent for them to win a trophy. They have a chance of going through to the Coppa Italia final as well. They lead in the semi-final against Cremonese. They've got a second leg. So Vincenzo Italiano is doing a magnificent job at the Artemio Franchi. Every year he kind of raises the bar. He's definitely one to watch. His style of football isn't as exciting as Dezerbi, but he's probably the next Italian coach who'll get a big job. So let's see. All right. So that is Champions League, Europa and Conference League covered. We'll have a quick pause and then we'll get domestic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Totally Football Show, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. So on Saturday, PSG welcome Lens to the French capital. The top two heading into the fixture, arguably the biggest game of the weekend in Europe. PSG came into it under a bit of pressure. And then two things that happened quite a lot in Liga and happened again. There was a red card and Kylian Mbappe scored. Um, Jules, no doubt about the red card was there, nor the, the quality of Mbappe's performance. Mm. No, you're right. I mean, we have to start with a red card because obviously it's easy, but it's the turning point in the sense that Lance has started so well in the way we expected them. They played high, they pressed high. Uh, PSG had no, really, no real answer because this is not a very good team. So... They don't press, and when you press them well, they can't get out of your press. So they were struggling for the first 20 minutes, and then Abdul Samed with a pointless challenge really on Hakimi because he doesn't need to do it. Medina is going to get the ball back from Hakimi. It's near the PSG box, so there's, there's just no there's just no emergency, no danger, nothing. And it's a straight red, and it's deserved, completely deserved. And after that, 11 v 10 for PSG. It's much easier, of course. They scored three goals in the space of 
of 10 minutes and the game is over, really. The first one is, is Mbappé's, you're right. He's 139th in Ligue 1, which is uh, the highest the highest top flight, top scorer in PSG history. One more than Cavani. And then he sets up Messi for the third one, lovely one-two with a with a back heel assist from Mbappé. So it was great. Lance had chances in the second half. They were probably the best team in the second half because PSG stopped playing and fell asleep. Uh, but overall, it was just too much of a mountain to climb at 10 men v 11. Uh, being 3-1 down really and, and not being clinical enough in that kind of game to, to come back and, and and get a point at least. So I think the, the PSG will win the title. It's the 11th. It will be a French record. Uh, and Marseille even overtook Lens by winning on Sunday night for Igor Tudor's, on Igor Tudor's birthday. Finally winning at home again um, against, uh, against Troyes, which means that now Marseille are second and, and Lens only third. And what about these reports that Luis Campos is, is off to Qatar this week to discuss Christophe Galtier's future alternatives such as Zidane and Mota will be discussed? Any accuracy yeah, I in think, that? I think Thiago is on the list for sure. We've, we've been saying with James how how good he's been with Bologna this season, how good he was, how good of an achievement he was to keep Spezia up last season, for example, in a very difficult environment when he, he thought he was going to get the sack in December instead until the end of the season. So... So I think there's something you could argue against him for the lack of, of experience, for example, but, but he obviously played at the club. I think he's got a wonderful football brain and there's no doubt that he's got all the tools to become a really, really good manager. So I can understand why he's on the shortlist and so is Zidane. But I mean, how many times do Zidane said no? This is the thing. You know, how many times do you go back and, and, and get denied again? I don't know. I think Luis Enrique, Nagelsmann, all of those guys are probably also on the shortlist. It'd be interesting to see. I think Galtier, even before the racism accusations from from Julien Fournier, the former Nice sporting director, was doomed anyway. So that just, I think, add to the layers of issues that the club have with him. So there's no doubt that he's not going to be there next season, even if they win the league, which they will do. So they just can't get this one, the next one. It's a bit like Chelsea, man. They can't get the next one wrong again because Galtier was a mistake, clearly. So they have to get the next one right. Thiago Motta would be up for it, wouldn't he, James? Do you think? Go there for a year, win the league, get the sack, get a payoff, come back and get a better job in Syria? <laughs> Look, I think Thiago will have a couple of opportunities in the summer because looks like Inter, unless they win the Champions League, will probably make a change from Simone Inzaghi. And Thiago Motta was a part of the treble winning team, the brain of that midfield with Cambiasso. And as Julian said, he's doing a really good job and seems to be taking one step every year closer to a big job. So, yeah, let's see on that front. But I've been really impressed with him. You know, his wacky formations, he's improved players. He clearly likes working on the training field, kind of reinventing roles for guys he's got who we've probably got preconceived ideas about. We think, oh, that player's a midfield player. And then all of a sudden, Thiago's playing him as a striker and it works. So... Yeah, very exciting guy. There's a piece on The Athletic about him, so go and read it. We'll do. We'll just finish up this first day. Um, let's go over <laughs> to Germany. As we mentioned, Dortmund doing a Dortmund. 2-0 up and a man up against relegation threatens Stuttgart with 13 minutes to go. Final score, Stuttgart 3, Borussia Dortmund 3. Um, Rafa, you've written about this for The Athletic, the latest case of Dortmunditis. Is, is the most galling aspect for them here the fact that they got pegged back, retook the lead in injury time, and then it was, what, 90 plus seven when the uh, the sixth goal of the game went in? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. Um, it's bad enough to give away the 2-0 lead when you have one man up as well. But then to come back and you can see all the headlines and, you know, Dortmund would have been praised for their character and they would have had a real chance of winning the title with um, making up that ground on Bayern in the table. And somehow they give it away, but they give it away in such ridiculous fashion. You've got Marco Royce jogging. You got Giorena not really closing down the cross. You got, uh, I reckon, Paris born and bred. Dortmund defender Koulibaly. I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, Jules will know. Yeah. Jules will know. Yeah. 19 year old kid. I mean, you don't want to blame him too much, but he comes on for his first Bundesliga game and he doesn't have much to do and he just completely mishits uh, the attempt to clear the ball and it just falls into the feet of Silas and. It's just, it's just awful. I think psychologically, throwing away those three points was probably worse than just losing a game 1-0 or 2-1, where you're just like slightly the, the worst side. This, this felt so self-inflicted. This was so unnecessary. And in the context of the title race, if you don't win those games, when Bayern do you a favor and slip up and only draw 1-1 at Hoffenheim, against Hoffenheim, you just have to be there. You have to take advantage but they didn't. So two points, still the gap, but a psychological blow landed, perhaps. Off to Italy, where Lazio continued to impress under Maurizio Sarri, seeing off Spezia at a canter. Sarri's side have taken 22 points from the last 24 available. Uh, James, I loved your description of him as a track suitophone in your piece up on The Athletic today. Um, the, the image of him as an old Mardi bum certainly chimed with my experience of, of dealing with him, but but he's doing special stuff at Lazio, right? In, in spite of the obstacles that, that modern football puts in his way. Yeah. The team is playing sadismo puro. Yeah, it's pure Sarri ball, if you want to uh, translate that in English. And they're a joy to watch. Yeah, they're second for goals scored after sequences of 10 passes, which... Yeah, I think some Chelsea fans will be familiar with, even though I think they got bored with some of the uh, prolonged passages of possession of some of Sarri's football. And I think astonishingly, really, they've kept was it 18 clean sheets in 30 games at halftime. They've gone in without conceding 25 times in 30 games. That is an astonishing sort of unit without the ball. It's not a team that necessarily goes and presses high. They're just very compact. And when they force a mistake, there's someone nearby to steal the ball. And, and go and break on a team or pass through a team. So it's been really good to see Sarri basically lift this team into what at the moment is second spot. We'll have to see what happens with Juventus, whether they get this points penalty overturned later this week, because that would allow them to leapfrog them. But, you know, Sarri, I think this is the closest team to his ideals of football since he was at Napoli, because certainly at Chelsea, it felt like he had to compromise a little bit. He didn't have all of the personnel that would gel and click according to his ideas. He ended up basically saying, give the ball to Hazard and let him score all the goals. And at Juventus, he had to essentially do the same with Cristiano Ronaldo. But the league title that he won with Juventus looks better and better with every year that they don't win the title. So, yeah, it's and he's just he's just great to listen to, Sarri. Yeah, the grumpy old man is just he's just magnificent. He rants and just hates on everything. It's brilliant. Julio great. César, Julio César is one. That's one. Yeah, that's well done, Jules. Very good. All right, two good more one. to go. Two more. Alvaro Morata, by the way. 
Talking about Sarri. Álvaro Morata yeah, played for Real Madrid yeah. and Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, two, right. the two, two easy ones as well. The last okay, two. We, st we still got time. We still got you time. You still got a bit of time. Y, y, with... Samuel Eto'o doesn't qualify because he didn't play the Champions League for Real Madrid, right? Yeah. Samuel right. Eto'o. All right, yeah, that no, just feels no. like you're showing off a bit there, Albert. If you, if you knew yeah, that yeah, wasn't like, right, but you just wanted to show you working. Yeah. Um, James, what we think, what we think about um, players who played for Chelsea and Real Madrid. Tell us about something a bit more serious. Chiro Immobile. Basically, he scored a goal and then he had a collision with a train. Immobile is currently Immobile. Mm. Uh, he's been in hospital because uh, when he was driving around Rome on the weekend. A tram ran a red light, in his opinion, and crashed into his car. And there's a video that was circulating. He's okay. He's sort of walking around. He said, I've just got a bit of pain in my arm. And then he went to hospital. He had a compound fracture with his rib, which, you know, his rib's poking through. And it hurt his spine as well. So Roberto Mancini's obviously called him up to say, Chiro, how are you doing? Are you Okay. He says, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. But it looks like he'll be out for a few weeks. But um, I suppose, yeah, this is the other feather in Maurizio Sarri's cap is that he's often been out injured this this season. Okay, he scored at the weekend. It's the seventh consecutive year he's got into double figures. But by his standards, he hasn't been on the pitch enough and he hasn't scored as many goals as we expect from Turin Mobile. And it hasn't really hurt Lazio because Sarri's ideas are are bigger than one individual. All right, good season for Sarri and Lazio. Uh, better season for Barcelona, Alvaro. They're 11 points clear at the top of La Liga, despite drawing their last two games 0-0. Not much of interest to say about those, I guess, but you can tell us a little bit about why uh, the president, Juan Laporta, has been appearing in front of the media today. Well, finally, finally, because uh, it was about time to do it. Uh, a little bit of context. Uh, Barcelona paid more than 7 million euro to the vice president of the Spanish referees from 2001 until 2018, with four different presidents. The name of this fella is Jose Maria Enrique Negreira. And last month, the public prosecutor pressed charges against Barcelona for corruption. And then La Liga, the Spanish FA, and the other 19 clubs of La Liga uh, joined that as joint claimants. Um, this is the context. Today, Laporta appeared in front of the press, two months after the scandal broke. And uh, I didn't like his... Uh, his role playing as a victim. Uh, he talked even about uh, people and media lynching Barcelona. I'm using this word because I'm quoting Laporta. Uh, but he made four big points. And uh, I think that this is important uh, maybe for the development of the case. He said that uh, he didn't start this, but uh, when he arrived in 2003, uh, 2003, he gave continuity to the payments that were already ongoing. He denies corruption. He hit out at Tebas and Real Madrid very badly and uh, he looked for a friendly smile by UEFA because uh, UEFA could punish them uh, more badly uh, by excluding Barcelona from playing European competitions uh, if they think that this is too suspicious. Uh, UEFA can make a decision against Barcelona and Zeferin won uh, or well, he, he, he basically is going to have a another stint right now and I think that his position is quite strong to make any decision there is not big contestation of Zeferin in UEFA so if he decides to, to go against Barcelona and exclude them for Champions League because he thinks that this is too suspicious I don't think that uh, no one will stop him and then there is another thing that I think is quite interesting too uh, 
there is no alignment anymore between Barcelona and Real Madrid for the Superliga thing. And uh, I think that it was very important that these two clubs had an alignment with Juventus because they are the only three remaining. And Juventus has their own issues. Barcelona and Real Madrid basically don't talk to each other. They are burning the bridge. And I think that they could end up, the three of them, just like uh, three loud patients uh, just shouting in a prison cell, uh, but without any communication between them, really. So it was pretty important, all that, because the relationship between Barcelona and Real Madrid was one of the things that was keeping the Superliga project alive. Alvaro, Real Madrid have just put out this video, which is called Which Was the Regime's Team? It's about ah, yeah. Franco. Oh, this is astonishing. <laughs> Well, uh, Mar Franco, Franco gave, I think, that the medal of honor to Barcelona. Uh, I think that there has been always this uh, victim-type narrative in Barcelona about uh, Real Madrid being favored by referees and therefore winning La Liga. Uh, whether that's true or not, I don't know, because I wasn't there. And there are no proofs right now. There is no documentation about that. So, so far, uh, to my eyes, this is a speculation. What... Uh, people think is really relevant about this. And then Real Madrid won uh, European Cups, uh, so I'm sure that uh, in Europe they weren't getting that uh, regime help that Barcelona says that Real Madrid was getting. But yeah, this is the toxicity that we are talking about now, James. And this is not good. I mean, that we're referring about Franco now and the help that Real Madrid got with Franco. Uh, that's why I'm saying that uh, probably Real Madrid and Barcelona are burning many breaches right now. And... Uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, they had a very good uh, harmony between them both. All right. Well, if there was a, a Super League for petty grievances, those two would be the champions every season. Um, <laughs> before we go, let's round off these quiz answers then. Who's got some more Real Madrid and Chelsea played for both for me? So, I mean, Eto is in, Alvaro. I, d I didn't understand if you said that he wasn't in or if he was in, but he's, he played, he no, played it... in the Champions League for Real Madrid. Did he? Okay. So, yeah. Samuel Eto is in. Did you see I was in Braga. Just one more to get then. Yeah, we said that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's two that are going to play tomorrow. One with Chelsea, one with Real Madrid that you haven't said yet. Oh, I missed. I missed it. Maybe, but yeah, you you missed them. I mean, Rudiger. Yeah, Rudiger. But there's, there's two. Eden Hazard, Mateo Mateo Kovacic. Kovacic, and there's one more that you forgot. Courtois. Courtois, James. No, no, Alvaro so said Courtois. Yeah, oh, did you say Courtois? So, you said, yeah. so I think you've got them all. So, yeah. Makelele, yeah. Ricardo Carvalho, Hazard, Lasana Diara, Etienne, Courtois, Robin, Morata, Anelka, Jeremy, Kovacic, Eto, and Rudiger. Well done. All right, we can be pleased with ourselves oh. on that. James, I think you've got at least one of the. No, two give me the nationalities of the other two. Give me the nationalities Greek and Austrian. I, oh, no, Austrian and Rafa should find. Greek, Greek, Karagounis. Garagunis, yeah, Austrian, yeah. as in like Tony Polster. Re recent kind of banter into. He's played in the Premier League as well for Newcastle. Arnautovic. Arnautovic. He's no. played for Union Berlin as well. Ah. No, Hertha Berlin, sorry, recently. That's where Inter signed him from. Newcastle. Austrian at Newcastle. They signed him for Conte. Conte decided, eh. Can't play for me. I'm going to send him on loan to Newcastle. Oh, Lazaro. <laughs> there you go, oh, Rav. Oh, nice. Ooh. You see, we got it. We got there right. in the end. That's nice, Rav. You kind of sat on the sidelines for most of the quiz and then came it's in right. and stole the glory he, right at he, the he end. He scored in the last minute. Most of the quiz, yeah. most of the podcast. That's yeah, just he's what Rav does. Tapping expert. Even when he plays football, that's early. He's just there nicking your goal, yeah. you know. <laughs> Definitely true. 
They all count. <laughs> they all count. Um, right, enjoy the games that you're at this week. Thanks to Alvaro, James, Jules, Rafa, producer Charlie, and to you, listener. Back with another Europod next week, but don't forget the Totally Football Show will be back in your ears on Thursday, reviewing all the big action in the Champions League and looking ahead to the weekend too. Join us for that if you can. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.